LFG people, hello and welcome to Blockchain Insider. I'm your host, Mauricio Magaldi, and this is episode 200. Oh my God, we made it to 200 episodes. Thank you for staying with us and thank you to all the co-hosts, guests in production, past and present, got us to 200 episodes, round numbers, so beautiful, so soothing. <laughs> and for today's very special 200th episode, I'm joined by my co-host, the amazing Catherine Gu, head of CBDC and protocols at Visa. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, Catherine? Doing great. I can't believe I am lucky enough to be on the episode 200. So uh, excited for this one. See, see, that is good. That's good. So today's topic is Lightning Network. We'll dive into some exciting news surrounding Lightning Network so far this year, different use cases, what people in the space are building, and ultimately, how do we create more utility around Bitcoin, arguably the most important asset in crypto. So for this, we're joined by Jasper Demir, Head of Research at Outlier Ventures. Welcome to the show, Jasper. Uh, great to have you with us for the 200th episode. Tell us a little bit about yourself and OV, please. Sure, maybe first congratulations on the, on the 200 episodes. I'm very excited to be, to be part of this one. So as you mentioned, I currently head up a research at Outlier Ventures. My background's more in, in traditional finance, started my career in sales and trading, and then later moved into research at finance institutions covering topics such as Web3, utility tokens, um, tokenization, and the broader digital asset space. Today, I sit in the research division at Outlier, and I spend my time looking at grassroots innovation across different Web3 ecosystems. And we really craft a thesis in-house to define the direction of our new programs and as a guidance for founders who we work with day in, day out, right? So maybe quickly on, on Outlier Ventures itself. So Outlier Venture was founded in 2014 and is the leading Web3 accelerator and the most active Web3 investor globally with over 275 portfolio companies. We partner with industry-leading organizations in Web3, but also traditional industries such as fashion, retail and finance, to design very bespoke acceleration programs for Web3 native companies with the aim to really bootstrap them to the next stage of growth. And in practice, we help them refine business strategy, product market fit, community growth, token design, governance. And we also help them with investor and, and, and network introductions. So that's that's OV in a nutshell. Awesome. The classic TreadFi turn DGen hero arc. <laughs> good. Very good. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and we're also joined by Svein Valfels, co-founder and CEO of Monerium. Welcome to the show, Svein. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and Monerium, please. Yes. Uh, so I come from uh, the opposite end in some sense, because as a graduate student at Stanford, I was dabbling in cryptography and took Don bonus class in cryptography when he was uh, first teaching it uh, back in the late 90s. So I was very fortunate when I discovered Bitcoin in 2011 to have sort of the, the, the technical background and also having dabbled a little bit in financial markets, the TradFi bar, uh, background to understand the impact, potential impact Bitcoin might have both as an asset class and as a payment network. Now, fast forward to uh, 2016, uh, together with three of my co-founders, we founded Monarium after the launch of Ethereum because we believed that Ethereum made, made it possible to envision what, you know, to realize the Vitalik's vision of uh, tokenizing assets, mainstream assets, uh, not just crypto assets, and fundamentally disrupt and rationalize and 
and create much more efficiencies in the traditional financial system. Monarium uh, is the first company authorized to issue fiat money on chain, meaning euros, uh, dollars, sterling. And we're also the first company to integrate a major currency payment system uh, directly with Web3. Uh, the SEPA payment system for the euro uh, payments. And our euro stablecoin, uh, URI, is being used in a number of um, real-world asset and mainstream uh, use cases um, that are currently being uh, launched. So including the Gnosis Pay uh, payment card, which is essentially a Visa payment card that allows users to settle Visa transactions with Visa cards at Visa terminals using the Monary URI. In Spain, we're um, settling tokenized debt together with a partner called Fence Financial. And uh, we're also one of two uh, on-ramp kits in the SAFE core development kit. So we're essentially helping developers in the SAFE ecosystem uh, build apps that use uh, fully authorized and regulated fiat on chain. Awesome. We're all about the devs. Okay, so before we dive in, just as a reminder to our listeners, the views or opinions of our panel are their own and don't necessarily reflect those of the companies that they are representing. And as always, nothing we say should be taken as tax, financial, or legal advice, so go do your own research. So let's get started. Just to clear the air, on this show, we're not going to talk about Bitcoin as the asset, but the innovation platform after being stale for however many years, right? Bitcoin is one of the most important and secure blockchains and assets, but the challenge with transacting Bitcoin has always been its scalability, the costs, the slow speed in transacting. So Lightning Network, a layer two built on top of Bitcoin, enables users to send Bitcoin quickly and cheaply by moving transactions off the main blockchain. That's kind of the, the same tune of layer twos in general is layer twos are a scalability mechanism. So let's take a look at some of the news in the past year. So in September, Coinbase announced its integration to Lightning Network, which obviously increases the transaction speed. Uh, at the time, Brian Armstrong, the Coinbase CEO, called Bitcoin the most important asset in crypto and also asked his users to be patient as it takes time to integrate. So about that, right, uh, to the panel, what recent innovations on top of Bitcoin mean to Bitcoin and crypto more generally when it comes to being this underpinning asset that started the whole revolution and now we're seeing effective adoption and things being built on top of that infrastructure. I'm going to go with Svein first, given his very OG status in the Bitcoin world, but I think you've seen a lot of the arc and how it's shaping up more recently is probably more exciting in engineering terms than it ever was, at least up until now. So what is your take on that? No, I totally agree with Brian Armstrong. Uh, Bitcoin is the most important uh, asset in the crypto world uh, in many respects. Uh, and why do I say that? Because it's the first global communal digital currency that's backed by the full faith of the community that uses it, uh, which transcends governments and borders. Um, and it's also backed by proof of work. Um, so there's, I don't know how many gigawatts hour, terawatts hours of energy that, that essentially secure the Bitcoin blockchain, uh, unlike uh, Ethereum, which has moved out to proof of stake. So I think it's really important, number one, um, that this uh, global asset uh, called Bitcoin 
somehow find a way or a mechanism for facilitating transactions, which the Lightning Network has always attempted to do. And number two, what is I think is really important is that that with Taproot, Taproot assets, which have just been released, that um, that you're able to somehow embed other asset classes into the Bitcoin blockchain. So I, I think this is a phenomenally interesting, yet a very, very early stage experiment to evolve the Bitcoin blockchain uh, beyond the current immediate relevance, which is essentially to store value. Got it. Jasper, in your analysis, you called 2023 the year of breakthrough for Bitcoin. And, and that is a very powerful statement. Can you elaborate on that for the audience to understand why do you think that is? What what indicated to you that this was, you know, worthy of a such such a powerful claim? Yeah, no, definitely. And, and I think I still stand by. Uh, I still stand by what I said. Is twenty twenty three? It started off very strong, obviously, with uh, ordinals and inscriptions bringing something very new to the Bitcoin network, which previously we haven't seen. And before, and it alludes to actually like issuing non-crypto native assets on chain, which in our um, in our view kickstarts a very interesting flywheel here because it drives this adoption of main chain and this desire to transact on the main chain, ultimately driving transactions, driving transaction volumes, pushing mempools, clogging mempools, pushing fees, and then ultimately really making an economic viable incentive for users to start looking at scaling mechanisms. Previously, we always had scaling mechanisms on Bitcoin. You had some fantastic L2s and sidechains that already built out the existing tech, but there was no sense of urgency for any user to actually go and adopt it because on the average user paying the difference between a cent or a dollar on, on some of these transactions doesn't necessarily move the, the needle, but now you're looking at like tens of tens of dollars for a single transaction, rendering some uh, use cases economically inviolable. So the user moves to these sidechains, which have more uh, during complete language, additional functionality. And in turn, that's where we, we see innovation happening because a lot of builders, what we're seeing now, are also excited about the users adopting these layers. And are then like moving onto these side layers to to really capture uh, the user base there. So overall, like I think a very healthy dynamic we see or or we saw unfolding in 2023 for uh, the innovation of the Bitcoin network. One thing that we experienced in the in the previous cycles is that developers tend to gravitate where there is money to be made, building things for people to use, but usage not does not necessarily follow and while Bitcoin has a big usage as an asset class, however you want to call it, um, with the introduction of the Taproot uh, upgrade and now the Taproot um, assets, we're seeing a lot of developer activity come into Bitcoin in ways that we haven't seen before. Now, having a wide user base on the asset itself, do you guys think that this also implies that the Taproot assets or the applications that are going to be spun out of uh, Taproot assets will have this kind of captive audience already. And then the whole problem of the code start would be mitigated by the ecosystem. What, how do you guys see this thing developing in terms of both, as you said, uh, Jasper, in, 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 the, in the build side of things, but also on the user side? I'm going to go back to you, Sven, on this. Now, if you go to the opposite uh, end of the spectrum, if you think about currencies in general, and 
Yuval Harari in his book Sapiens describes currencies as a human construct, uh, and that's what they are. They are, in modern Western societies, they are uh, government constructs, and they're standards for exchanging and storing value. So, and most of the volume uh, of most of the modern economy is still in fiat and will remain so uh, for the foreseeable future. There's SEPA by, just SEPA uh, has about 200 trillion uh, euros worth of volume every year. And crypto is very far from matching that, let alone the Lightning Network. So I think the, from the user point of view, which is essentially where you can monetize uh, technology, right? From the point of usage, you have to look at, start with the TradFi world and look where would the TradFi world benefit from the crypto technology being utilized or embedded into some TradFi exchange of value? Uh, how could it remove intermediaries? How could it expedite transactions? How could it make transactions more flexible, more programmable, for example? And, and that's how you ultimately attract economic value, economic interest and developers uh, to um, th th this new stack that's being built on top of Bitcoin, I think. But it's, it's, it's a back and forth because it also takes the developers to come and look at this. Whoa, look at this, it's very exciting. Um, it has a lot of potential, not much value yet. So it's the, it's the combination of, shall we say, mainstream use cases plus um, developer interest uh, that you need to somehow converge for the magic to happen and for something to happen that's relevant to mainstream use cases. And I have to remind you, even though I'm a crypto OG, I think if you shut off all the crypto in the world today, a few people will be hurt and out of pocket. Uh, but, you know, the mainstream economy would go, go humming along as usual. But if you shut off PayPal or Stripe or any of these modern payment systems, a lot of the modern economy would grind to a halt. So the ultimate test for me for uh, blockchains and DeFi and Web3 to become relevant is like if you turn it off today, how many businesses would go out of business? How many people would be um, unable to pay for the groceries? And we're not quite there yet. Um, so we're still in the early days of mainstream adoption of uh, Web3 and relevant technologies. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and fingers crossed that doesn't happen. This is just, uh, you know, an exercise in hypothesis. As a physicist, this is what a, a thought experiment is as opposed to a real prediction. Yeah, but, but, like. but you have a point. I mean, if, if, if adoption, we can, call, we can claim mainstream adoption if we turn it off and things break. And, and, and that's absolutely a litmus test for that. Now, this is happening, but not exactly without its own controversy, right? I'm not a maxi of any kind, but the maxis around Bitcoin complain that this is, you know, misuse of the main chain and there's no place for this. You're trying to corrupt the concept. And there's obviously change is hard, even for people who are at the bleeding edge of financial innovation. Jasper, what is the sentiment there? I mean, bringing more utility to Bitcoin mainnet, is this a problem for Bitcoin the asset or the or the maxis are just blowing things out of proportion in a balanced view is what will take ultimately Bitcoin to where it belongs? Yeah, exactly. And admittedly, it's something I was quite wary of when obviously coming out with a with a massive thesis claiming uh, innovation is about to kickstart on uh, the Bitcoin network. 
overall, I, I see a lot of excitement also around, for example, these taproot assets coming on, on the Lightning chain. There's a lot of different use cases, which we've previously seen manifest on other L1s, alt L1s and other ecosystems, which seem to be a very quick fix and just porting them onto potentially um, the Lightning network. Where I think I'm personally very excited about is I think this will drive or increase uh, adoption quite drastically because what's currently happening or what has happened since the inception of Lightning Network is that the Lightning Network as a settlement layer has always been one-on-one -on -one associated with Bitcoin and SATs because that was the asset that was transferred and settled on that layer. By having taproot assets, you very simply can have other representations such as stable coins also using the actual channel network and the infrastructure of Lightning Network. And what this does is it opens up the floodgates, I think, for merchant adoption or anyone else, because one of the solutions we are actually seeing a lot of, it's, it's on-off-ramp solutions where Lightning Network-specific applications are rolling out for merchants or providing SDK or APIs for existing payment, like, like uh, merchant acquirers to roll out um, the Lightning Network. And a big issue there is that they will settle in sets, they receive sets, and then they have an instant trigger mechanism to hatch out prices and pull them back into either stables or fiats. And that actually, like that little segment, that, that just quick fix that was required previously is no longer required because now stable coins or any other assets can be settled using a pre-existing network, which I think is super exciting and, 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 and underappreciated by many. I would expect like on the back of this and once this actually is properly integrated to see way more merchants actually integrating Lightning Network as a potential settlement. And then also just flicking the switch. Do you want to pay in Bitcoin or do you want to pay in stables? Whatever you, you prefer, really. Whatever unit of account is acceptable. So I'm going to ask you, Catherine, and what's your you know, broader perspective on the world of Lightning Network and Bitcoin. I mean, I understand this is somewhat aligned with the concepts you support in in the work you do with payments, but it's a widely different infrastructure. So what is your like general overview in this market? I think certainly everything is still really early stage. I mean, you know, it's funny that Lightning Network is driving a lot of these innovation because I also took Denbeneath class um, of CS251, I think, on, on the blockchain. And I remember we had a specific sort of whole section dedicated to Lightning Network because of the innovation that it really created for the first time. And this is the leverage of payment channels uh, to really enable a lot more scalable solutions that could happen off the blockchain, right? And I think that is a really interesting use case for how we can leverage uh, such a technology and just as a sideline, like Visa has actually developed something similar. We call it universal payment channel. It's exactly leveraging uh, the idea behind the HTLC and having a more scalable solution, but that's sort of catered for the EVM uh, community. So I think, you know, still early stage. And the main focus I would say is to really figure out who are gonna be the users and the use cases. And I think that ties very nicely to Jasper, your earlier point, because, you know, ultimately if say, Bitcoin or something else is going to be used for payments. The key thing to think about is from that merchant uh, acceptance perspective. And, you know, are we looking at mainstream adoption or is it going to start with some specific sectors and then it's sort of, you know, maybe it can scale. So I guess with that in mind also, 
I want to throw the questions back to our panelists and just kind of diving a little bit more on the sort of set of use cases that you guys are seeing out there that's driving, let's say, this first wave of adoption for Bitcoin, specific in payments. I'm just wondering, um, where, where do you guys see that? So maybe uh, I can start with you, Jasper, and then Spain after. Sure. I think it, it's a very interesting question because you're really looking at, at the future here. And I think a lot of it is extrapolation of what we saw in, in other ecosystems, right? Because that brood assets has only been uh, released, whatever, last month and then properly rolled out. I think a lot of it is, is as previously mentioned, the very low-hanging, straightforward stuff is, I think, stable coins or any other um, representation of any other asset that's already used as a medium of exchange to settle transactions and rolling out the Lightning Network as, as the settlement layer. I think that's that's really the killer uh, for me, is, is using, using taproot assets to disguise assets and port them as some kind of Trojan horse and bring them to merchants without knowing they're actually like transacting on the Lightning Network. Like normally they would, normally it would be very obvious because all of a sudden they need to accept BTC or SATs, but now they can just accept any type of stable, Euro, USD, any denomination and just roll out and this, this more efficient settlement layer. So I think that's, that's the easy apps. And then I think as this grows and as SDKs and tooling around uh, Taproot assets improve, I, I would definitely see like tokenization of real world assets become a thing and the transaction around these. In order for that to truly manifest, I think you need bridging solutions um, with potential EVM compatible chains who already have financial assets sitting on chain. Um, I think obviously like Ethereum is the number one in terms of TVL, but you're looking at like private credit, bonds, other financial instruments, which would then also through EVM compatible bridges find their way onto the Lightning Network and through Taproot assets would be able to be represented there and very quickly like uh, change hands again. Um, obviously the Lightning Network was initially intended as, as a network for microtransactions, but this just opens up a whole new opportunity of, of innovation. So yeah, I think short term, is still the payments, stable coins. And then in the longer term, I think we see more other different financial assets being tokenized and transacted on the Lightning Network. And maybe follow up with that and for Sven to for you to maybe comment on is, you know, we just talked about micropayments and microtransactions. Do you see that being going to be like main use case uh, to drive a lot of these BTC leverage, leveraging uh, Lightning solutions? Or and, and if so, um, who are going to be the ones uh, really kind of needing this type of solutions? No, the key dependency is a connection with fiat. They even go back to the early days of Bitcoin, you trade Bitcoin against dollar, against euro, against something, right? So uh, uh, a network or an asset in isolation is worth nothing. So, so what I'm really excited about is tapered assets and I, I'm not really able to predict what are going to be the first use cases there. I'm not really seeing any pattern emerging there. But because there's so little liquidity to begin with, I think, I suspect that it might be something that's totally different from like the layer twos on Ethereum, something completely new possibly that somebody, for some reason, uh, implements on taproot assets that is not doesn't exist in the Ethereum ecosystem. So it might be micropayments, it might be something completely different. 
having um, you know you, you quoted Brian Armstrong at the beginning of the uh, show, you know listen to what he says. He says Bitcoin is the uh, is the most important crypto asset, but also watch what Coinbase is doing. What is Coinbase doing in this respect? Coinbase is promoting its base uh, layer two on Ethereum, and they're promoting their instant settlement of transactions there, payments for mainstream, right? There's a lot of catching up that Taproot Assets has to do and, and Lightning in order to match that. Now, possibly it will, but possibly it will do something completely different from the, the um, well, whatever is happening in the Ethereum ecosystem. So, so if I were a developer and, and approaching Taproot Assets and the Bitcoin blockchain ecosystem now, I would probably try to think out of the box and say, well, okay, listen, what can this tool do for me? What can this ecosystem do that the other ecosystem is neglecting or not able to do? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of, uh, let's call it, early experimentations that already took place elsewhere, right? The ecosystems that now looking back to the Bitcoin ecosystem as a whole, there's a lot we can learn. Now, let's shift gear a little bit and just focus on the cost of transactions, because I think that's going to be clearly on the top of mind for all the users deciding between the different chains. And here, I think it's really looking at blockchain overall, right? Not only just Ethereum, but we have Solana, we have Avalanche, we have Polygon, we have all these different L1, L2s, and then you have the Bitcoin and the Lightning. So, of course, I think when it comes to payments, all the solutions that we see out there is trying to advocate for this really low cost of transactions. Now, how competitive do you see, therefore, uh, for the Lightning network? when you know you compare to other sort of alternative l1s I, I i don't have the numbers off the top of my head because taproot assets for example is so new i haven't been able to look into it um absolutely has to compete for the for, for like for like use cases have to compete on price that's why i think so if you can do something that's completely different on uh, ta using taproot or lightning the, you have a much stronger position than if you're trying to compete directly with uh, the layer twos and the Ethereum ecosystem. So that, that's my. But I think before anything else, I think, and I love to see that happen. Our, our company now supports Ethereum, it supports Gnosis and Polygon. We'd love to be able to support Taproot Assets at some point, but you know it's still too new. There's we, we can't justify issuing a stablecoin on there yet. But, but the first stable coins on there will probably give us an indication of, of where the interest of that ecosystem lies and where the competitive advantages of that ecosystem lie. So, so it's not just price, it's just different functionality and, and a different value proposition altogether. Great. I'm going to go to Jasper quickly, and then I'm going to have one final question for Mo before we take the break. But yeah, Jasper. Yeah, I, I strongly agree with uh, Sven's view in that it, it's not only on price, because we all know in which direction this is going. It is just a race to the bottom at a certain point. What is the actual difference between paying a fraction and, and, and just a little bit less than a fraction of the total transaction value, right? So I think we're at a point in, in, in payments where for micropayments, there's still like a like a meaningful delta, but for like larger transactions, it's quite negligible. So I I truly believe that like Lightning Network should look at offering incremental value proposition. Maybe it's the privacy element which it can leverage through um, Bitcoin's main chain, and maybe there's there's other stuff which which is being built right now. But I I I strongly agree. Like 
price shouldn't be the main focus here. I think we've reached a level where it's acceptable for everyone to transact on these settlement layers. And, and now it's really the different value prop. Awesome. And Maurizio, maybe asking you as a user, right? Or uh, someone, like, I, I don't know, but assuming that you believe in Bitcoin for, for many people are calling this the digital version of gold. And now we're talking about payments, which is really switching gear of that use case altogether. I mean, to what extent as a user do you think it's going to take for you to switch that percep- perception and stop like look at Bitcoin, the entire ecosystem, more as investment asset class, but moving more towards sort of a payment sort of work stream, if you will. Yeah, I think we go back a couple of episodes and talk about UX. I think the the, the chain or the ecosystem that nails, you know, a price point that is acceptable compromise between cost and security, which don't get me wrong, we're going to have to pay stuff. That's how incentives work. That's how economies work. But I think as a user, I would be much more inclined in uh, working with an ecosystem that is great at user experience. And, and it has to be as simple as possible while being secure, which we discussed in a whole episode. If you haven't checked it out, check it. Uh, on the back catalog. But I think that's that's the big thing, right? We, when we design solutions, especially in financial services, the goal is to solve a problem. It's not to pay something. Paying something is means to something else, right? If I'm in the bus and I'm, you know, trying to get somewhere, I'm not trying to pay for the ticket. I'm trying to go somewhere, right? Paying for the ticket is a, an action in taking me to a place where I want to be. So I think it's important for us as an industry to realize that the technology is amazing. It's super cool. Cryptography, decentralization, all of these cool jargon that we keep coming up with every day, they are all important, but they're means to an end. And the end is to have a more efficient world. And I think regardless of whether the chain is going to be a layer one or a layer two or a layer three or a layer zero, you know, whatever the number you pick, if the UX is there, and if there's a, a sensible compromise between cost and security, that is where we're going to like hit the nail in the head as an industry. Until then, it's a multi-chain world. Well, and I agree uh, also, I'd like to add, uh, with reference to the famous headline in the um, first Bitcoin block that was mined, that um, Chancellor contemplates second back bailout is that Bitcoin also it is about resilience. It is about creating an alternative to the existing system. And that's a very important design feature for Satoshi Nakamoto and for the rest of us, I think. So as an alternative asset class, as an alternative ways of moving value if the old system ceases to function for whatever reason. So security is efficiency and it's security or backup as it were. Absolutely. So we're going to take a quick pause here to hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Visa, one of the world's leaders in digital payments. Crypto has opened up a new world of possibilities and Visa is helping everyone take part. Consumers can now enjoy the freedom and flexibility of using their Visa crypto link cards for everyday purchases at millions of Visa accepting merchant locations around the world. Join us in this new money movement. Learn more at visa.com forward slash crypto. Looking to take your customer journeys to the next level and benchmark your products against the best in financial services? 
Well, look no further than 11FS Pulse. Home to over 5,700 user journeys covering everything from onboarding to crypto. It features analysis of global brands like Nubank, Revolut, and Robinhood. It's already tried and trusted by big names like Monzo, whose co-founder Jonas said their research phase took just a tenth of the time it normally would, thanks to 11FS Pulse. Join Monzo and hundreds of other brands taking their UX game to the next level by booking a demo today at 11fspulse.com forward slash demo. That's 11fspulse.com forward slash demo. Welcome back. So a lot of momentum around Bitcoin uh, becoming more useful with more, you know, cheaper transactions, mainstream adoption. So let's talk about trends and the future of this, right? What is it that you're seeing and in the industry? Uh, so I'm going to hand it over to you, Kat, to run the point on this, but I'm really curious about this. So we've seen sort of some incredible growth, right? And I'm just quoting some of the the, the data we've seen before that for the Lightning Network that it has recorded, I think, 1,212% of growth between the time of August 2021 to August 2023 in terms of the monthly transactions. And this is all in the perspective that we're in a bear market. So certainly I think it's worth asking really the reason why and who is transacting and, you know, is that sort of driving real utility or is this just mainly sort of trading activities and such? So I think a lot of that is really important. And of course, we've seen some really, you know, famous tech celebrities out there um, talking about Bitcoin on the top of their mind. Jack Dorsey definitely is someone that came to mind. I do want to sort of like focus more on the sort of developer ecosystem, right? Because I think that's going to be a really important sort of metric uh, in determining, you know, if we're really having this race uh, amongst the protocol war, so to speak, of which blockchain to win, that's certainly going to be a main driving factor. So maybe starting with you, Yasser, through your VC and real research, quoted some sort of the data and statistics you've seen in terms of measuring the sort of overall innovation and growth uh, for the BTC uh, community? Yeah, it's, it's a very hard metric to measure. I wish I could quantify it, but anecdotally, I'm, I'm, I'm actually very surprised. So we, so we launched, obviously, our, um, the, the recruitment for our Bitcoin base camp uh, last month. And ever since, like, we've reached out to the ecosystem. We, like, loads of us attended different conferences, and, and we've had very constructive discussions with people building across the entire ecosystem. And for Lightning Network specifically, I was, I was very positively surprised with the stage of maturity at which some of these ideas are. Like a lot of people have been looking at building something on Lightning Network for a while. It's not something new. Um, some other verticals on the Bitcoin uh, ecosystem, such as ordinals and inscriptions, just because they were created in the beginning of 2023 are, are more nascent. Lightning Network as a whole is is very interesting. I think like some specific use case, obviously, again, you have like this merchant adoption, but the DLC bridges, I think, are very interesting um, to, again, port assets from existing different ecosystems onto Lightning Network, potentially an EVM compatibility. Um, so really blurring the lines between settlement layers, I think, is is something which a lot of a lot of founders are, are working on and opening the floodgates for other assets to also leverage this very unique 
settlement layer, right? Because if you look at how different L1s are constructed, obviously you have the, the blockchain trilemma, which we all know, and you have different consensus mechanisms which set every, every chain apart. But Lightning Network specific is so unique uh, in the way it's constructed that, again, I think um, you mentioned it already, like it has to have a very specific value prop and it's, it's about pulling these assets onto the Lightning Network, giving them access so this, this unique use case can be explored. And I personally believe that while we are excited in the short term about merchants accepting Bitcoin and, and any other uh, Lightning Network like supported assets, I think peer-to-peer -peer transactions is still where I think a lot of actual innovation will happen. Like on the merchant side, it's making existing infrastructure more efficient. But on the P2P payment side, I think it's it's very interesting. Having like an open source system um, for the internet, like Lightning Network, to which we can transact peer-to-peer, -peer, will become very um, important as I think the internet becomes more decentralized and just by very definition, peer-to-peer -peer networks become more important. So. I would think on the, the adoption driver, I wouldn't be surprised if it's very much like the adoption of peer-to-peer -peer payments and, and, and users of the internet just uh, in, in very small doses is through microtransactions stream value to one another as they move across the internet. Brilliant. And maybe focus a little bit more on the technical side. And if we were to categorize these different innovations into buckets, say privacy, scalability, interoperability, I don't know, like uh, anything else that comes to your mind, Spain. Where do you think and also where do you see the current biggest drive is across these buckets for the BTC system? Or where do you also see like it's most needed if, say, you know, Bitcoin ecosystem is driving that real utility down the road? Uh, I think in uh, developed countries, uh, money laundering is, is a big issue. And uh, enforcing money laundering, uh, speaking as a CEO of a regulated entity, is a big issue. So we're we're now seeing regulators starting to accept uh, various forms of uh, anti-money laundering um, tools for layer one and layer two in the Ethereum ecosystem. I think uh, those sort of services are absolutely necessary to support mainstream transactions in the developed world for Bitcoin, uh, not just the main chain, I mean they're the Lightning Network. So I think until you have uh, chain analysis coin firm or elliptic um, uh, supporting uh, anything that's happening on taproot assets, or you know, then I don't think uh, uh, there will be heavy commercial use. I think money laundering is, is, is people underestimate how important it is for many regulators to, to to enforce that. Well, what I'd like to say, I, I think my hunch is that Bitcoin will, as Jasper was saying, um, uh, mainly be used peer-to-peer. -peer. That's to say Lightning Network on top of Bitcoin will mainly be used in the first instance as peer-to-peer. -peer. And the first uh, commercial use cases might emerge more from the developing world, as it were, from emerging markets where the financial infrastructure is, is, uh, uh, is not as modern and where uh, governments are uh, not as efficient, um, not that Western governments are necessarily that efficient, but, but if you see what I mean, if, if, if and I, with reference to um, the early days of Bitcoin, a lot of the people, early Bitcoiners were from South America. Uh, I was raised in Iceland during uh, double digit, sometimes triple digit inflation. So I, I immediately related to Bitcoin in a way of uh, having safe storage. 
during um, you know inflationary times, and also because Iceland happened to be the epicenter of 2008 crisis. Uh, while while I was living, I was living abroad when I uh, first transacted Bitcoin, but I could relate to the conditions in a country with a failed financial system having an alternative asset class. So I, I think the emerging use cases for Bitcoin and Lightning uh, and Taproot even might be more in the um, the emerging markets than in the uh, so-called developed world. Um, and so so I'll be. If, uh, if I were to go to a Lightning Hackathon or a Taproot Hackathon, I'd just as well be in, in Buenos Aires than in, in, in Berlin, right? So, so, so that's just my hunch. I, and I have no way to predict exactly how this will unfold out, just like Bitcoin back in the early day and then Ethereum subsequently. You can see patterns unfolding in the future, but timing them, when they happen, how much happens, you know, the volume of anything, the volume of engagement with developers, volume of transactions in terms of dollars or Bitcoin or whatever, those are very difficult to predict. They just happen slowly, slowly, and then suddenly. Actually, as a follow-up and as a wrap-up, sort of final question for everyone here, um, you know, we, we did say that whether it's the usage of Bitcoin or not, it's meant to be a means to an end. And I'm, I want to get a sort of a one, two, to two sentences sort of concluding thought from all of you in terms of where do you where do you want to see the future for the lightning network to look like so Svein, i'm going to start with you and then jasper and then have marissa to have the final final thought i'd love to see lightning uh, facilitate peer-to-peer -peer transactions um in a way that bitcoin doesn't support mainstream uh, for small micropayments for example and taproot assets i see as a way of connecting other asset classes onto the bitcoin blockchain so i'd love to see something super easy to use like a client on my phone a client on a computer uh, for lightning that has more liquidity than it currently has because the liquidity the numbers are going up you mentioned that the percentage growth is high but the actual transaction volume on Lightning, the re most recent number was for August of this year that I looked it up before the show, and it was only 70 or $80 million that was being transacted. So it's very, very small compared to the, you know, the trillions that exchange hands every day in the modern economy. The foreign exchange market uh, alone is like five to 10 trillion. So, so it's a minuscule, it's a, it's a drop in the bucket in the global economy. And I'd love to see that, um, Lightning promote Bitcoin uh, it, it, as a means of exchange peer-to-peer, -peer, just like um, local coins back in the early days before there were exchanges. You could meet up with people and exchange Bitcoin, like on a street corner or something like that. If it's like a globalized version of local coin, uh, then I think it will be a huge success. Yeah, I, I really hope Lightning Network is successful at attracting users who are increasingly looking for a scalable and, and cheap way of transacting value in the Bitcoin ecosystem. Because obviously, as more and more applications unfold within the broader ecosystem, like the main chain itself is, is having like issues processing all of this, obviously, like leading to very high fees. And I hope like it will be very competitive, I think, across different side chains, across uh, like Lightning Network as well. I just hope Lightning Network is successful at capturing this, the right audience, the audience that's looking to have micropayments and then like really like go from there beyond Bitcoin. And again, to, to what Sven said around uh, Taproot assets, more alternative assets. 
um, maybe financial assets with high intrinsic value who could for some reason also become um, easily transferable through the Lightning Network. So I think the first step would really be like capture the right audience. User base is moving in the ecosystem. We see it if we track the data, capture the right audience, and then from there build out um, utility for that audience. I think would be uh, would be the build case here. Yeah, I I I live vicariously through the eyes of a very good friend in Brazil, Lugi Tillier. Shout out, Lugi. He's a proper ordinals degen, and uh, I f I find very elegant the solution that after Taproot came enabled ordinals. Uh, the, the sets are in its own quirky way non-fungible, and and they're leveraging that uh, characteristic of the the Satoshi, the fractional uh, Bitcoin in ways that are very particular to the way that the architecture of Bitcoin exists. So it's very interesting. And I hope that this uh, gets mainstream adoption because I think being able to prove the uniqueness of, of a digital asset is important across various industries. If you go to, to, to oil and gas, if you go to mining and metals, if you go to manufacturing, auto, everything that can be identified as very unique has a very high value in that industry. And that's why I feel NFTs in general are so powerful in ways that we have yet to tap. And in the world of Bitcoin, those are kind of ordinal sort of the, the specific Satoshi. So I think that is a very elegant solution. And I hope that this also enables some very unique use cases for the world of Bitcoin, because that particular characteristic is very unique to the Bitcoin blockchain itself. So uh, it would be interesting to see that uh, gain a little bit more traction and become, um, you know, industry-wide relevant. So I, I, I really feel that that's a, a good potential for, uh, for that becomes something relevant. Uh, obviously, because it's intrinsic to Bitcoin, then it, you know, inherits the all the good things that uh, Sven and, and Jasper mentioned. So I think it's it's, it's going to be very uh, beautiful uh, engineering-wise to see that working, uh, but bring real utility in, in great UX as well. So yeah, fingers crossed for that. Oh my God, we could go on forever. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to wrap this discussion of our 200th episode. Oh my God. So thank you guys for joining us today. Um, where can people find more about you and your companies, uh, Jasper? Yeah, sure. So you, you can check out everything at our website, which is www.outlierventures.io. And obviously you can fill, follow us on X or Twitter uh, via at O-V-I-O-H-Q. Awesome. Uh, Zvain? Uh, monarium.com and the X handles or Twitter handle is as Monarium, M-O-N-E-R-I-U-M. LinkedIn as well. Awesome. Catherine? You can find me on uh, Twitter, X, sorry, I keep on getting confused, uh, at Catgu and uh, uh, LinkedIn and uh, definitely do check out on Visa.com crypto page. Thank you. Yeah, uh, you can find me at Zeroax Mauricio on X and Mauricio Magadi on LinkedIn and follow us on 11fs.com. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you can't wait until the next episode, take a look at the many, many 200 previous episodes and get yourself properly immersed in the world of crypto. And if you really love it, please leave us a review. It helps us to make it better and helps other people find the show. As always, if you want to join the conversation, find us on social media. Just search for 11FS or Blockchain Insider or email us at podcasts at 11FS.com. This is all for today. Stay rare, stay weird. LFG.